it begins when you become a part of it too. This week on the podcast, Michael Ends, The Never-Ending Story, Part 2. Hey, and welcome to Growing Up Bookish. It's a nostalgic book podcast where we reread books from our youth and see if they hold up in, in the 2019. It is 2019. It is. <laughs> it's like halfway there. Like over. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm one of your hosts, Emma. I am your other host, Allison. This week we're continuing our previous episode of the epic fantasy and also my favorite book of all time, The NeverEnding Story. Just starting thoughts. Compared to the first half of the book, how'd you feel about the second, considering it's completely, mostly alien to you? Well, yeah, the first half of the book uh, was great, but I kind of knew what was going to happen because I'd seen the movie. Right. The second one, yes, I've seen the second movie, so... We'll talk about that in a second. I kind of had an idea of what things were going, like what things were going to happen. However, when you jump into, into kind of the second part of the book where Bastion becomes part of the story, you're given a totally new landscape that wasn't in the movie and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because it was phenomenal it was fantastic it was one of my favorite things probably I've ever read oh my god me too (laughs) why did this place sounds beautiful I want to be there um so it's a very different yeah the the second part of the book is a very different feel from the first and it is well I would like to talk about that later yeah we we definitely will um in reference to the second movie, we I, I, I know almost everyone's seen the first movie. Right. Not as many people maybe have seen the second movie. I feel yeah. like it's kind of like a different generation of kids, perhaps. True. Because it was like a decade later yeah, that they made that's, it. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the weird thing about the movie is Emma and I rewatched it recently, and there's actually more things in the movie that they took from the book than I remembered. Yeah. But it's kind of more like the entire if the entire second half of the book is a puzzle... They took all the puzzle pieces and they shook them up and they put them out all out of order. <laughs> and so they took like, you know, they, the center of the puzzle is there. And then they sprinkled other pieces in other areas yeah. that have nothing to do with anything. Like, you know, there is a creature called a nimbly, but it's not a bird man. It's like a little rabbit that has yeah. feathers. See, I was trying to figure out what yeah. what character they had pulled that from and I just couldn't find it. See, yeah, I had I forgot his name was Nimbly. Yeah, it was or like the name character. of the, the yeah. species yeah. was called a Nimbly. He was yeah. like a rabbit messenger. And then they also had like the four-faced guy, but he was yes. like a troll. And he was, I, I think they called him like the four-quad troll, four-quarter troll is what they called it. And he was like in a he was on Bastion's side. He wasn't right. like he was, working yeah. for the bad guys no, or anything. No. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other little things that they took. There were a bunch of them. Oh, the like uh, beetle knights were real and they were also like hollow. Right. But they were, you know, I mean, they were kind of the same as they are in the movie. Yeah. You know, just giant hollow creatures, creatures. that the witch controls. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but there there were a bunch of little yeah, things like that. There that were, I was like, oh, I remember that from the movie. Yeah, Stupid there, egg army wasn't in there, though. Oh thank goodness. Oh, my God. Because I hate that part of the movie <laughs> so, so well, much. Well, I mean, you know, the... the I can't, I can't remember her name, but it was a female that wrote the screenplay for the movie. I think she tried her... I'm going to have in my head that maybe she was kind of strong-holded with, like, um, the... The production studio, maybe. I'm like, please don't tell me that this woman, like, consciously. Right. It's a hard, it is a hard story to bring to well, the screen. Yeah. And it I needs don't, to be a miniseries. Yes. Also, there's no way they could have taken this half, second half of the, of the book and made it into its, like, own movie without the context of the first one. True. Being, like, right there. True. I think they were trying to make the movie be, like, its own thing. Right. Because the kids in 1992 or whenever it came out are not the same kids that saw the first one in 1982. Exactly. So they've got to think about their market. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but so I know that she, yeah, with that little egg army, like he needed to provide a distraction, but. I'm trying to remember what the distraction was in the book. It was um, him and Falcor, I think. Yeah. Oh, he, no, he stood out in the front gates and was <laughs> like, he was like, hello, I am Bastion. <laughs> yeah. He like dressed up like Bastion yeah. and was like distracting them. And yeah. then he like ran off or something. 
something like anyway, that. But yeah, you know, whatever. There, there are some similarities, yeah, but it definitely. it really makes me sad that. <laughs> I mean, you could even say that him diving into the water at the end is to sort of taken. Oh from my it. gosh! Yes, I totally didn't even think sort about of, that. Sort of, or a little, uh, yeah. but they had to. They yeah. had to add some weird like diving metaphor. Afraid of dive diving. Oh, I don't yeah. fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> I anyway. totally forgot about that. But we haven't even gone does, through the know, book yet. So people are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Sorry. I'll, but we'll it, does, again. it does make me sad that given the richness yeah. of the second part of the book and just the flat, the flatness of the movie, I'm like, oh my, you had so much to work with. But it's However, be budget. I was about to say, I don't know their the limitations. The entire movie takes place in the Silver City. That's all they had. That's, That's it. the only thing they one could do. One landscape, one yeah. little spot. Where the fuck is Grogamon? <laughs> Why did I? All right, whatever. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> um, I guess it's a recap. Yeah, let's do a recap. Okay. okay. Most people know this story. Bastion goes to Coriander's bookshop, running away from uh, bullies, steals the never-ending story because he feels compelled to, takes it into his school attic and starts reading it. Then he is taken onto the adventure with Atreyu, whose mission is to find out why Fantastica is being consumed by the nothing. They find out Bastion has to give him a, give the childlike Empress a new name, and he does. It's Moonchild. Mm-hmm. And during this process, he Bastion himself has been connected with the Nevering story in a way that he can't get out of, even if he wanted to. Yes. Because oh, the gosh. yeah, one major difference from the movie is that like Bastion does not willfully go; he is forced to go. Yes. Because he's too afraid. And he doesn't believe in himself. He doesn't believe in himself. And so uh, basically the childlike empress has to give him no choice. Right. And then he goes in. And where we left off is basically when he says, moon child, I'm coming. And then here we are. Here we are. Bastion's on his way to the childlike empress. And here we are. Chapter 13 is called Perlin the Night Forest. So Bastion is in darkness with the Childlike Empress. This scene is familiar to most. I was about to say, we saw this in the movie. Yes. Moonchild tells Bastion the Fantastic is gone, but will become real again with his wishes. She also tells him that he gets as many as he wants. That's right. But is that true, Emma? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, now that you say that, I'm like, wait a minute. It's not true. I... It's not It's not true. true at all. But we'll get into that later. But yeah, I'm kind of like, uh... <laughs> you kind of... She Okay, she is being vague. She has left out some important things. Yeah. And I know she's supposed to be, like, impartial and everything, but couldn't you have given the boy a hint? I don't, I don't know if she could have. I don't, I don't think she know. Because, you know, if we're taking this on the childlike empress as the symbolism of, like, the core of our imagination... She has no control. Right. She's basically just like, it's your imagination. Do what you want. Yeah. And I mean, he has to. That's the yeah. thing. He has he's got to have he the has journey. To, he has to have the right. wishes. It's the only way that Fantastica will be rebuilt. It's true. So Bastion's first wish is to see her again um, because it's darkness. So she does. And then she gives him a grain of sand, which is all that's left of Fantastica. Mm-hmm. And he wishes for that to be alive. And so it starts to sprout. Yes. And as it sprouts, more seeds come off. And when they hit the ground, they sprout. And so it's like kind of like a ev- never-ending, like, f- blooming forest, forest. fireworks, fireworks yes. of floralness. I mean, it was... And the descriptions oh, are so, so amazing. It is so good. Yeah, they're like huge so phosphorescent plants. And like, it's actually... it's. It's not even just that. It's that they're supposed to be plants from, like, all types. Right. So it's, like, every plant you could ever think of. And some of them are, like, alien-looking plants. Mm-hmm. And some of them glow in the dark. And it's just, like, a beautiful, amazing forest. Right. And he names it Perlin the Night Forest. Wonderful. Wonderful. He's, he did a great job with that name. <laughs> uh, the Childlike Empress asks him why he didn't come to her the first time that she called. And he's like, uh, well, because I was fat and ugly and, like, I didn't want you to, like, laugh at me. Didn't want you to be disappointed in, like, the savior. I'm supposed to be the savior and here I am. Being fat and pudgy and whatever. And she's like, look into my eyes, Bastion. And he does and he sees his reflection and suddenly he's handsome. Okay. So, do you think that was kind of like a trap? Yes. 
it does seem do, like a trap. Or does was because he didn't wish for that. Right. That's what I was but thinking. But that's was like, the wish that, that starts him down his spiral. I was like, did he? I was just thinking. Wait, did he like subconsciously wish that? Yes. Okay. So yes, because there are a lot of wishes later that he does subconsciously mm-hmm. because it's basically you don't say i wish that they blah, just, blah, blah, they blah, just blah, blah, blah. form as yes. he's thinking about situations yes. and how he's feeling you're he's given this oh that's that's my next wish it's, yes yeah it's very like stream of consciousness it type is of thing. and so because a lot of them come in kind of accidentally yeah. and he doesn't even realize what has happened and this is one of those where you know he's sitting there lamenting about how ugly he is mm-hmm. and that his wish is to be worthy of being the savior and mm-hmm. so that's exactly what happens um as soon as he like realizes that it's real moonchild is gone Boop. she's like disappeared Peace out. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> bye bye. All right. Take your care. Home. I'll see you. I'll leave you alone. <laughs> you got this. Have fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, of course he panics a bit because he doesn't really know what he's supposed to be doing because she literally didn't tell him anything other than right. make wishes, Bastian. Make wishes. She, and she gave him Oren. Yeah. But he didn't realize that until she was gone. So she really? disappears oh. and he's like looking at his like new fancy clothes and yeah. he's like, oh shit, I got a horn. Yeah. Um, what he notices then when he inspects it is that there's now an inscription on the back, which actually there was always an inscription, but they say later that Atreyu couldn't, couldn't read because he can't read, uh, which I guess is okay. He's just like, my people don't read. So whatever. <laughs> but the inscription says, do what you wish. There's a lot of articles on the internet about this, Emma, oh. about what like that really means well i think well we'll get we'll get to it we'll get to it (laughs) um so bastion takes do what you wish as permission for him to just be free to do whatever he likes yeah and i'm thinking okay this is a slippery slope (laughs) you're already your first wish was well not the first wish but how happy he was and how handsome he was yes and i'm like okay are you gonna start wishing for all these superficial things and i can't imagine that this is gonna go anywhere Yep. Good. That's literally what happens. He's <laughs> he's in his new forest being all pleased with himself. And he's like, man, it's so awesome to be good looking. And he's like, but, you know, as he's thinking it, he his memory of ever being unattractive is gone. Exactly. Which is important to have. Yes. Because you have to have, you have to pull that humbleness <laughs> from somewhere. But he's not having that anymore. No, it's, it's gone. gone. Um. So he decides it's not enough to be handsome. I also have to be like the strongest person in the world. <laughs> not just strong, Emma. He doesn't just say, I'd like to, you know, not be weak. I'd, I'd like to be able to, you know, lift a couple things. He's like, I gotta be the strongest, strongest in all in, of Fantastica. In all the world. And so I'm just like, damn it, Bastion, this is what you're gonna do with your wishes. <laughs> well, what? How old is he again? Do we know? I think he's like, like 10. 10. 10. Yeah. Okay. Ten-year-old boy. His dad is cut off from him. Yeah. When did he lose his mom? Oh, I don't know. A couple years ago, maybe? I don't know. Um, I I can't imagine that he has a solid (laughs) psyche. Absolutely not. And that's what this entire journey is all about. Exactly. So, okay. So, he is all pleased with himself and he falls asleep in a tree. Chapter 14 is called The Desert of Colors. When he wakes up. He feels that his wish to become strong is true, and with it, his memory of ever being weak is also fled away. Now he decides it's not enough just to be strong. <laughs> He's got to be able to endure hardships. You oh, know, I would like that one sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. I'm not saying if I had these wishes that I wouldn't make any selfish wishes, but right. I would try to like sprinkle them with other things oh absolutely it wouldn't just be like a string of like and if you you were if you were 10 years old though would you were you kind of like a self a selfish or selfless kid when you were 10 i don't know probably selfish i (laughs) probably i don't know um i would also be be smarter about it and just be like i wish to be what my vision of the perfect person is. Oh, uh, you go. And so you can get it in one go. Same with the stupid movie about the wishing but for then, steps one at a time. Oh my God, that was so terrible. <laughs> but then when you wish to be like the perfect person, do you lose all the memories of the parts of you that aren't perfect? Yeah, probably. So then that's whoop. Yeah, but there still goes, like, like all of it. We know he's got a limited number of wishes. He does. So, but, but. But he doesn't may- know. Maybe it's not a finite number, but it's the amount of things you lose. 
True. And so if he that. did lose all of his former faults or weaknesses in one go, then that might be the same as doing them individually. I think for me, if if a if the childlike empress came to me and said, wish as much as you want, your wishes build Fantastica, my brain would immediately go to, okay, how do I build this place? Yeah, it Thinking would be about, about creating the things. place. Yeah, it wouldn't be about me. about me. I know, same. <laughs> That's why I was so confused about it. Because I was like, you're supposed to be making Fantastica great again and all you're thinking about is yourself. So, how is you being strong going to help Fantastica? Because he's the savior, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in a way it works because when he wishes to endure hardships, he's thinking about how he'd like to be in a place that is dangerous and that, you know, he could like prove himself by like getting through it. And that's how he creates the desert of colors. I was like, what better place than a desert? Yes. And it's really, the description of it transforming is really cool. Yes. All the colorful plants, like, uh, kind of, like, wither and fall. And when they hit the ground, they become, like, colored sand. Mm -hmm. And I can't even describe it the way that he described it. It's just very, very cool. Yes. So the Desert of Colors has got all different colors of sand dunes. It's magical. It's amazing. But it's also a big fucking desert. Right. No water. Lots (laughs) of heat. Lots of sun and heat. So he's starting to realize that he may not make it out alive, but... His newfound whatever confidence. He's <laughs> not afraid of death, but he needs to be remembered. He's like, I'm not going to die here and have people not know who I was. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> so he uh, writes his initials on a sand dune. That, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's like, oh, someone's going to read the Neverending Story later, and they're going to see these initials, and they're going to know. How are I they going to know? They're going to know I was here. I don't know. <laughs> and honestly, too, I'm like, what makes you think that those initials are gonna stay there and they don't they don't so whatever <laughs> but the, he did it i guess what like in a story once he writes it it's there mm. at least one time mm. his next wish was uh to be courageous mm-hmm. and he needs to prove that he's courageous by going up against like a terrible creature but he doesn't want one ugly and gross like egrimal <laughs> yeah that's right he doesn't want to be like yeah too afraid. He's like, yeah, that. maybe not as gross looking as Egermal was, but still just as dangerous. Oh, God. And so as soon as he wishes that, out and, comes the lion. Oh, and your he's favorite. Amazing. Your let's, favorite. Let's read the description okay. of my buddy. Bastion said no more, for in that same moment, he heard a roaring and a rumbling so deep that the ground trembled beneath his feet. Bastion turned around. Far in the distance, he saw something that looked like a ball of fire. Moving with incredible speed, it described a wide arc around the spot where Bastion was sitting, then came straight towards him. In the shimmering desert air, which made the outlines of things waver like flames, the creature looked like a dancing fire demon. Bastion was stricken with terror. Before he knew it, he had run down into the cleft between the red dune and the blue dune, but no sooner had he got there than he felt ashamed and overcame his fear. He took hold of Arryn and felt all the courage he had wished for streaming into his heart. Then again, he heard the deep roar that made the ground tremble, but this time it was near him. He looked up. A huge lion was standing on a fiery red dune. The sun was directly behind him and made his great mane look like a wreath of fire. This lion was not a tawny color like other lions, but as fiery red as the dune on which he was standing. The beast did not seem to have noticed the boy, so much smaller than himself who was standing in the cleft between the two dunes, but seemed to be looking at the red letters on the opposite hill. The great rumbling voice said, Who did this? So he's amazing. Yes. He changes colors. What's the, what's the name of the lion in, uh... You thinking of Aslan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't this lion way cooler than Aslan? He is. Okay, then. <laughs> just making... I'm just, what was his name? Just, yeah. And no. mine is red stepping on blue. Oh, yeah. And this is parallel. She's showing me her tattoo right now. That's what we're talking about. I have about. a tattoo of Grogamon. It's not the perfect tattoo. If I could do it again, I'd do everything differently. But whatever. It still means a lot to yes, me. Yes. It's beautiful. So, yeah, he's blue and red because there's a blue dune and a red dune. Mm-hmm. And then this is Paralyn in the background. It's more like a metaphor because obviously he can't be in Paralyn, but it's coming out of Paralyn. Right. So, like, it's behind him. Yes. Yes. Oh. So, anyway. It's not Asland, right? Is that his name? Aslan. Aslan. It's definitely not Aslan, but <laughs> okay. everyone thinks that it is. I My, my Grogramont tattoo, everyone thinks it's Aslan. Well, I think more people read that book. I didn't read those books, but I think more they're They're kind of... They're kind of religious. That's kind of why I've stayed away from them. 
No offense, no, but that's kind of why I stayed away from her. Yeah, there, there, there's a little bit too much religious allegory in there for my liking. But Gragamon is not symbolic of... Oh, of no. Of the same thing. I'm like, what, He's what not is Iceland? Sy- symbolic of Christ. Christ yeah. the lo- our no, Lord. Definitely not. Our Lord and Savior. Because Gragamon is the most dangerous creature in all of Fantastica. That's right. Nobody can even be in the same vicinity as him or they just, like, d- die. So... He's never seen a person. This Bastion is his first time seeing and talking to a person. That's right. And oh, because yeah. of this, he bows down to Bastion and he says, you are my master. Because uh, obviously he is, has some great power in order to be able to be in yes. the same. Yes. In the, in the same presence place. of Gragamon. Exactly. Gra- yeah, Gragamon tells Bastion that he, that Bastion's the first to ever speak to him for anyone else would perish instantly in his presence. But thankfully, Orin keeps him safe. Um, so he takes Bastion back to his palace, which is really just kind of like a black mountain ruin. Yeah, it kind of made me think of like charred wood. Yeah. They, they kind of describe it as like black stone. Mm-hmm. But it's like obviously kind of like looks like it's burnt and it's like covered in sand and everything. So whatever. They go in there, um, and as soon as they walk in, Grogramon's like weary and tired, and mm-hmm. he's like he's like lays down on a black rock, and he's like, "We're gonna have to talk tomorrow. <laughs> uh, go through that door. I've got I've got a room everything, all set yeah, up for you. Everything set up for you, and it is. So he's been waiting for him. Yep, since the beginning of time, he says. And of course, Sebastian goes through like a thing here where he's like, "But I just created you." So how, so how could you be you? waiting for me since the beginning of time mm-hmm. after I just created you? And he's like, well, d- duh, don't you tell stories of things that are old? Use your brain, Bastion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for some reason, Grogramon is like this wise figure. Yeah. And I don't know where he gets his knowledge from. I'm sure it's just a story device to give us he's, the information well, we need. If he's, well... Because he's been alone out here. I was thinking about, well, he has been alone. But one of his things, one of his nicknames... Is the many colored death, and I feel like death is always shown as a a wise being, but he's not like death. Death. It's not like he goes no. to people Mm-mm. and take and takes them yeah. on their deathly like journey. But <laughs> no, but you're right. But and but having I feel like having death in in your nick in your little nickname probably affords you some wisdom, right? Sure. <laughs> he just sits alone in his little rock. Rock he has lots of time to think. And, and thinks about everything. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, he tells Bastion to go into this room and, you know, he'll see him in the morning. But he also warns him as he goes uh, that he's probably going to hear some scary sounds mm-hmm. and to just ignore it. No big deal. Just forget about it. You, you might hear scary sounds, but, you know, just it's nothing. That's nothing. It's Don't nothing. Just, just stay in your room. Uh so inside this room that's been waiting for him since the beginning of time there's food there's drink there's a magical pool that has it it's reminds me of the like uh prefects bath in harry potter where yeah. it's got like all the like different smelling stuff yeah like when i read that in harry potter i was like that's like Grogamon's pool <laughs> <laughs> um so he bathes and he drinks and whatever and then he hears the sound and the description of it was kind of like was it a creaking sound? It was like creaking and grinding, and it like was, they, something turning into ice or, or I ice. think it said like ice. Hang on, <laughs> let me find ice it. Ice melting or forming like or something contracting. <laughs> hang on, let's just find it. It's something like that. Then he heard a sound that sent the cold shivers down his spine. A cracking and grinding, as though a rock were bursting under the pressure of expanding ice. Mm. I imagine that would sound pretty scary because you're in a, like, literally in a rock cave. So, like, is the place falling down? Yeah. So, of course, like, he forgets everything that Grogramon told him. (laughs) And he runs out and he's like, Grogramon, what's going on? (laughs) And uh, Grogramon is sitting on his black stone and he's black Mm -hmm. as he changes colors with everything. However, when Bastion goes to touch him, he realizes that Grogramon is stone. He is no longer Alive. alive. And so he freaks out a bit. But he goes outside and notices that Perilyn is growing outside again. And it's not the desert anymore. Nope. It's the forest. Yep. And so he's smart enough to make a connection. He's like, this has got to have something to do with this. Yeah. Um, and so, but that doesn't stop him from going back inside and like crying over uh, Grogramon's like stone form. 
He's like, oh, God, you're dead. <laughs> and uh, he falls asleep mm-hmm. there. Chapter 15 is called Grogramon the Many-Colored Death. Mm-hmm. We already know all about him. But we're going to learn more. When Bastion awakes, he finds that Grogramon is alive again, which is good. The lion asks Bastion if he knows, if Bastion knows why he must die every night. Because he's like, this is just, this keeps happening. It happens every night. It's always happened. And... Bastion's like, well, it's because the forest has to grow. Right. And so they now understand that if Grogramon didn't exist, the forest would grow uncontrollably and take over everything. So he has to be alive to destroy it, and then he has to die so that it can grow. So they have a symbiotic relationship. Right. Which kind of makes me think of the Orin itself. Light and dark. Yes, you've got, exactly. You've got that yin and yang the balance. The Ouroboros. Yeah. There's a lot of symbolism to the Ouroboros in this entire thing and the yin and yang and all that. So so now Grogramon's peaceful because he's like, I know my purpose now. So cool. Then he gives Bastion a very unimpressive rusty looking sword. Oh, yeah. The sword. The sword. What? He, how do you pronounce the name? Seconda. Seconda. Okay. Some of the pronunciations that I am doing are from the... Um, audiobook that I listened to because I thought it was something different until I listened to it. But some of them I'm not because, like, in the audiobook, they pronounce Zaide as Zayide, which is how I thought it sounded because phonetically that's what it looks like. Yeah. But Zaida sounds so much better. It does. It sounds more like a name. Yeah. Zayide sounds like a Zayide. like a chemical. Or a stone. Yeah. Yeah. Like a stone. Work. Like a gemstone. Yeah. That could work. It could. Whatever. We're going to call her Zaida. Okay. We're not That's there fine yet. with me. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, this is called Sakanda and it looks like Sakanda. It's S I K A N D A. He names it, and as soon as he names it, the rusty looking sword like leaps into his hand and it's made of light and it's like amazing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Is this a magic sword? And he's like, Yeah. It will only, you can only use it when it leaps into your hand of its own accord. If you ever pull it out of your own accord, Misfortune will happen to you and Fantastica. Red flag, he foreshadowing, maybe. <laughs> but he also says, "Please remember this, Bastion." And Bastion's like, "Yeah, I'm totes gonna remember that." <laughs> Guess uh, what? Do you think he remembers it? <laughs> oh no! The time kind of passes. They talk about how Grogamon and Bastion spend like a long time together. They become mm-hmm. like best friends. Yes, everything's awesome. Bastion wants to like stay there with him, but Grogamon's like, "Nope." You can't. Because you need to make a story. That's right. And there's no story if you stay in one place. Exactly. But then, here's where some of the like symbolism comes in. Grogramon shares information about what he thinks do what you wish means. Yes. I, I noted this part, too. I'm like, oh my god, that's so good. Some days later, they had another serious talk. Bastion had shown the lion the inscription on the reverse side of the gem. What do you suppose it means? He asked. Do what you wish. That must mean I can do anything I feel like, don't you think so? All at once, Grogramon's face looked alarmingly grave and his eyes glowed. No, he said in his deep, rumbling voice. It means that you must do what you really and truly want, and nothing is more difficult. What I really and truly want? What do you mean by that? It is your own deepest secret, and you yourself don't know it. How can I find out? By going the way of your wishes, from one to another, from first to last. It will take you to what you really and truly want. Well, that doesn't sound so hard, said Bastion. It is the most dangerous of all journeys. Why? Bastion asked. I'm not afraid. That isn't it, Grogamon rumbled. It requires the greatest honesty and vigilance, because there's no other journey on which it's so easy to lose yourself forever. Do you mean because our wishes aren't always good? Bastion asked. The lion lashed the sand he was lying on with his tail. His ears lay flat. He screwed up his nose and his eyes flashed fire. Involuntarily, Bastion ducked when Grogramon's voice once again made the earth tremble. What do you know about wishes? How would you know what's good and what isn't? So that's kind of serious Serious. business. Serious business. (laughs) But it's kind of like a warning to Bastion. Yeah. Um, in a way. I don't think he takes it in. I don't think he really gets what he's... I mean... He doesn't, and I would also argue that he kind of does what he's supposed to, almost, anyway, because Grogramon says, go from wish to wish from the first to the last, end up where you truly want to be. Right. He does do that. 
he, maybe it has to be fraught with peril. I mean, it does. It absolutely. I think any he kind doesn't of have to be as much of a self, butthead. <laughs> self awareness, um, psychological journey that this represents is hard work. But yeah, I'm like, do you really have to be a butthead so much? Maybe, maybe because he's ten. I don't know. And I no. And I you know don't want to give too much away, but it's yeah. like he wouldn't have been able to do it without certain characters true and i like, do think i know that, he has to go on this journey yeah and he has to make these decisions but my god well he my didn't god. have to do it the way that he did it and i yeah. think our our earlier we have learned as much that's another thing you just don't yeah, know you it's, don't know because i was just gonna say it probably wouldn't have ended up the same if his wishes weren't all self-serving right you know and if he had made wishes that weren't self-serving, and he did, does make some, and those don't turn out good either. But I guess we'll get there. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they all just, maybe he, this is the only way he has to learn. Maybe everything went as intended, and right. we're getting well, way ahead of ourselves. Well, <laughs> if he's the type of person that has these self-serving thoughts, that's something that you should unlearn. Yeah. I think so. And, they, and you have to make really bad decisions. And boy, does he. <laughs> boy, does he. <laughs> So after they have this conversation, Bastion uh, wonders how he's going to get out of the infinite desert, but Grogramon tells him no big deal. Once he wishes to leave, a door will open for him and take him to the Temple of Thousand Doors, which is the only way out. And so as the days go by, another wish soon forms from Bastion. And once again, it's not like he sits there and he's like, this is my wish. It just kind of comes to him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how the wishes have to be made or else, I don't know. They have to be detailed enough yes that's true because there are a few times when Where he he's doesn't. kind of vague yeah but but i don't well, that's know what if happens can, now yeah, i don't think they they necessarily become so specific no. i mean they they just bubble out of his head they yeah. just he thinks about oh well i'm kind of lonely yeah. or yeah i, I love Gragamon, but, but <laughs> yeah so his wish now is basically that he's like you know i wish for company because i don't really i all it's just me and Gragamon here i need i need more and mm -hmm. he does so he says he wishes for company but then he says he needs someone to admire his talents <laughs> and that so he needs not... to become famous oh my god and i'm like you know what wishing for just... company is one thing <laughs> Wishing to be admired and famous is totally different. Totally different. <laughs> and so then the door opens to the Temple of a Thousand Doors and he goes through it. And he does say goodbye to Gragamon. Yes. And there is a little subtext about how he's like, he's I like, I'll see you again someday. I promise I'll visit you. Yeah. And the narrator's <laughs> like, but he, he didn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is fine because it says someone else will come see That's him. That's right. So Gragamon won't be alone forever. Which makes me happy because yeah. he's the best. He is. He's pretty awesome. Yeah. I want to go live with him. Man, when I was a kid, I was just like, oh, why can't I have a lion like that? <laughs> Did you prefer him over Falcor? Yes. Really? Because I think it was because he was so dangerous. I mean, I loved Falcor too. Yeah. But Falcor loves everyone. Oh. Grogamon so loved his, only Bastion. His admiration means more. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But no, let's face it, none of these people would love Bastion if you didn't have the Orin, so whatever. <laughs> Except Trey, you and Falcor. Yeah. Chapter 16 is called the Silver City of Amaranth. But we're not there yet, because first he's got to go through the Temple, Temple of, of a Thousand, thousand doors, doors. Which is really cool. Yeah, I loved the description. It talked about, like, gingerbread doors and yeah. all kinds of different doors. And I was like, oh, I want to see what that looks like I in know. real life. Somebody make this movie. I know. Well, not yeah. a movie. Miniseries. We need yeah, a miniseries. Yeah, it needs a miniseries. Because I've, th I've thought about it hardcore, because it's not... It needs like a Lord of the Rings like three movie deal, three yeah. or four movie deal, because I don't think that you can cram everything into no. one. No. I mean, they did do a pretty good job cramming the first half of the book into, but it needs it could they could spend more time. Yeah, I but it's not. I don't want them to turn it into a TV show because then they would just drag it out. No, not a TV, a miniseries, four part, yeah, five part miniseries. Yeah, but I want like Hollywood movie. I want like I want like a trilogy. Okay. Turn it into three movies or four. Maybe four would be too. I don't know. No, I think you could do it. You could, you could do it in four. Yeah, because there's so much like action. You could like have some like long action scenes and stuff like that. So you could have like two movies for the first half and two movies for the second half. Yeah, but it won't happen. So we don't know that. Uh, I th I read like a little interview with the girl that played the first Childlike Empress, and she was saying, I think it was in her interview 
how the Michael End Foundation like won't let it happen. They're just not interested in it. <laughs> Haven't they but seen if, what? But, yeah, I'm like, what, but things are different now. Yeah, things are different now. <laughs> People are making good stuff. They're making good stuff and they're doing justice to people's <laughs> works. I mean, come on. <laughs> Give it a chance. Yes, please. God, what do I'm, I have to do? I've got a petition. I've got a petition. I've got to build a huge campaign. <laughs> I'm sure other people will join me. Yeah. God, it is just my greatest wish to see this finally on well, the screen. Well, too bad you don't have the Oren. I know. That. <laughs> that would be my wish, my first wish. Can I please have a really satisfying movie adaptation? Of the never What story. memory would you lose for that wish? Fuck, I don't that, know. That the second movie ever existed? Oh, I'd be okay I'm with all that. right with that. I'm all right with that. I do not need to remember that movie. Temple the Temple of a Thousand Doors is like a series of hexagon- hexagonal oh. rooms, each with three doors in it. So he, when he goes through one, he has to choose between two different doors that are very different. Mm-hmm. And he does this for a while until he realizes that he's getting nowhere. And he's like, well, maybe my wish wasn't specific enough. Right. Because he wished for company, but not... Who? Like, where? Where Where do you want to go? So then he's like, all right, I've decided I want to meet Atreyu, which is a good wish. It is a good wish. So from then on, he chooses doors based upon his wish. So, you know, there's like a mother of pearl one. And he's like, that reminds me of Falcor. And then there's like a green one. He's like, that reminds me of Atreyu's skin and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And some of them towards the end get like super similar, like that both of them would apply to Atreyu. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, what would have happened if he had picked the other one? I don't know. What do you like? Yeah. Somehow found like anti-Atreyu. Evil (laughs) twin Atreyu. I don't know. We never find out. I was like, what's in the other door? (laughs) Finally, he's outside. He's in a forest. Before long, he comes to a clearing with a group of knights and a lady. They introduce themselves and they're just like super stereotypical, like, you know, knights. Yeah. You know, Bastion keeps his identity hidden, though. He doesn't want them to know that he's got the aura in Doesn't he want people to admire him and... He does, but I guess for some reason he's not ready yet. It doesn't really, it's not really clear to me why he wouldn't, like, it's clear to me why he wouldn't show him the Oren, maybe. But why he wouldn't use his name, I'm not really sure, because at this point he doesn't know that people know it. Right. You know. That's true. Um, so, I don't know, That's it's a plot device. Mm. <laughs> so he doesn't tell him his name and he doesn't show him the Oren. They tell him that they're traveling to the Silver City to participate in a tournament to find the three strongest heroes who will go on a quest to find the savior of Fantastica. That's him. Um, and that the winners will be selected by someone named Atreyu, who will go. lead the expedition. There you go. So he's exactly where he needs and to I be. And I mean, Bastion's already wished to be the strongest, the bravest, yep. the <laughs> highest <laughs> endurance. Courageous. Yeah. So he's got this in the bag. Yeah, it's super. But um, one of the heroes, Hero Hunrik, is not actually interested in the expedition. He's only here to prove that he's the strongest so that the lady that's with him, Princess Oglemar, will love him because she's some kind of bee who <laughs> will only like the strongest and the greatest hero in all the land. And she came along because she's not convinced that she could believe the hero if he wins. She oh, yeah, she wants it. to see it. That's right. She has to that's see right. it with her own eyes. I mean, something tells me she likes him and she's just playing hard again, yeah, but whatever. I, I kind of felt that way with her so character it, as well. Yeah. It's just a very, like, stereotypical I kind of don't friend. understand why these characters are in here. I think it's just part of the, like, world building and, like, yeah. telling tales because it's a kind of like a stereotypical story. Yeah, and this is something true. we've seen before. And I, just, I didn't really feel connected to any of these no. people. I'm just like, Meh. I never did either. Okay. <laughs> It's fine. I'm like, am I missing something? No. I kind of don't really care about these characters. Not really, but although I think Hunrek kind of serves his purpose later, but yeah. we'll get there. There's also a moment where Hero Hunrek talks trash about the savior. Oh, yeah. Ha! And Bastion being like, you know, the jerk that he is, is like, well, I'll just have to teach him a lesson What's later. I know. I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm like, Bastion! Stop! Hold on! Come Hold on. on! He's just trying to, like, impress his like, lady. Don't you know how this feels? Like, yes. you were bullied! I know. Quit being a bully. He doesn't remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's already forgotten. No. <laughs> and that is why memories are so important. I know. That's a, You have to know where you came from, guys. That's right. So the heroes give Bastion a mule, mule to ride. I love this mule. Named Yika. I love her. And she's real smart. She is because she's only half an ass. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's, That's literally what she said. She's half an ass. Yeah. But really, it just means that somehow in like Fantastica, if you're a half and half creature, you somehow have extra knowledge. Is that what that means? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's just, what she said. I thought she was talking about like, like the other creatures are like asses, like yeah. full on asses. So they can't, can't have a double. They meeting. can't pick up on things like she can, and she's very humble about it. Yeah. She knows that she's just a mule, but yeah. she does have you know extra senses insight, insight and so she other... knows who he is yes she does she's like i know who you are but don't worry i'm not gonna tell no one and he's like all right cool so they arrive at the silver city and it's once again the description is great i love this description <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing it's it's I'm basically like... like it's a city with houses on boats yes uh and they're all made of silver and the boats can move around mm-hmm. and like rearrange themselves and it's in the middle of the Lake of Tears, which is much like the movie. Not made of acid, but it's corrosive. Right. So it's, like, dangerous. So I guess it kind of is acid. Sure. But, you know, in the movie, they're like, it's acid! And then they show <laughs> shit, like, sizzling in it or whatever. Yeah. And, I mean, we never get to, like, see it in action, but we're just told that's what keeps the silver shiny. Mm-hmm. And, you know... That's the way it's, that it is. It's a wonderful defense for the city. Yes, because no one can get through it. And right. that's in like I think they mentioned that that's why they built there originally, but now they just stay there because they like it because they're like we've got this pretty silver stuff and we can move our houses so around wherever, and it's yeah. great. Yeah. Um so yeah. Oh yeah, because he did mention like sometimes families across the city will marry. Yeah. And then and they so move. then they want to move their boats yep. next to each other. I'm like that is what I'm getting it's a modular I'm just, city. I'm just getting goosebumps because I'm like the detail yeah. that he puts and the thought that he puts into describing this world. It's not just the landscape. Nope. He's talking about the society. And it's yep. just, oh, I love it. Yeah, that. you do learn a little bit about the society of, like, pretty much every place that he mm-hmm. talks about. And it's, it's so good. <laughs> so the city is full of visitors from all over because they're here for the tournament. The uh, people of the Silver City, like the natives, are not like the movie where they're all, like, wearing <laughs> all weird, and, colorful and mime masks and dancing, dancing around. With just twisting their yeah. wrists and but they are all silver like they wear silver they yeah. have silver hair i think they said they had like violet eyes so i imagine them looking cool and anime like yeah <laughs> you know bastion looking for a tray goes to the city center where he finds a tray watching the tournament next to the silver sage who is i guess you know one of the he's isn't he one of the judges like a trade one or one of the observe like yeah i think they're he's like, sitting on a balcony yeah. like royalty type of thing watching the he's a judge but i don't think he gets to choose okay i mean i guess they fight until they don't fight to the death they no but they do have like a really long tournament of people like fighting each other and they mention that it takes all day and it's like wait is this the part where like they can't use like forceful like they can't hurt the other person so it looks like wrestling it just looks like this weird well, he playful did mention, wrestling he mentioned so like, that yeah, <laughs> yeah. Th- th- he did say that it was like they can't be violent wrestling. towards each other but you know they do other things to just yeah. prove who's the strongest and whatever <laughs> so he watches this tournament all day and hero hunrek has risen to the lead mm-hmm. instead of just letting him be victorious Bastion's going to teach him a lesson. Bastion wants to teach him a lesson, and he's like, well, I'll challenge you. Of course, you know, he doesn't even mention that it's totally an unfair fight because he has the goddamn Orin. Right. He's just like, he shames the poor man. It's really sad. Who, by the way, has won on his own accord and merit, (laughs) and Bastion just uses magical power to uh, totally destroy him. How can you feel good about that? I don't know. I think he's already forgotten because, well, I'll get to yeah. that in a minute because it does happen later. Um, so he beats him and Atreyu congratulates Bastion as the victor and calls also calls him out as the savior. Yeah. He says that even though Bastion looks totally different, he recognized the look in, in his, his eyes. eyes. Mm-hmm. That's how he knew. That's probably unlikely, but whatever. It's a story. Whatever. I think it is likely. <laughs> Atreyu's a great hunter. He's very observant. He is. <laughs> Once again, on his own merit. <laughs> on his own merit, yes. So they have a great celebration. End of chapter. Chapter 17. It's called A Dragon for Hero Hunrick. Right. And when I read this title, I was like, Ugh. oh, it's more about the hero. <laughs> I know. Like, I don't think I'm going to like this chapter. But I did yeah. like this chapter. So Atreyu and Bastion hang out, immediately becoming besties. Yeah. They're like best friends. Um, Atreyu is surprised to learn that Bastion has the Orin. And Bastion makes note 
that Atreyu is no longer impressed with all the shit he's done. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, why are you surprised? I mean, of course it's less impressive. But Bastion's like shocked. He's like, what? <sighs> What's wrong with him? Can't he see? Can't he see how great I am? <laughs> um, but at this point, when Atreyu kind of shows like a weird, I don't know if it's disappointment or just like surprise that Bastion has the Orin. And Bastion like offers to give it back to him. He's like, oh, well, do you want it back? And like, I, feel, I felt like it, this was a very interesting conversation because I kept trying to figure out what Atreyu was thinking because it almost seems like for a moment he wants it. Yeah. But then he's like, no, no. It's almost like the one ring. Yeah. <laughs> he, where, where you're pulled yeah. towards it. But then he's like, I mean, they never no, explain but, it that way, but it, that's, I don't know how else I mean, to explain it. But he's just kind of like, no, no, no. You, she gave it she to you. She gave it to you. I had it once. It's fine. The other thing is, is that Bastion's like, you said I look different. But what do you mean? I've always looked like this. Right. And so we get this first. Yeah. I mean, he he kind of noticed it. I think because as the reader, you you knew that it, he was losing We memories, already know. But, he, but Atreyu starts he, to notice. Right. I don't and, think Bastion notices. No. He's like, oh, you must be mistaken. Because like, he's like, oh, well, like I this. saw you in the mirror and you looked fat and pale. And he's like, what? I've never no. been fat and pale. I've always been like this. And What's wrong was with like, you? Huh. Strange. I know I wasn't mistaken. And so our wise Atreyu is catching on to things. Mm-hmm. That night, later, Bastion is uh, sitting in his room just all bothered that Atreyu's not impressed with him. <laughs> Which I just... I just can't. I can't. I mean, I get it. Like, yes, I do want my friends to like me, but... It's not like all consuming. No, and and I feel like it's this superiority thing with him. It's not just that you want to be liked. It's like no, you want want to be better. Yes. Well, it's just like earlier when he he didn't wish to be strong. He wished to be the the strongest strongest in the world. (laughs) Like I mean, I guess I guess you kind of have to if you're if you're that young in certain situations, you have to go to the other end of the spectrum before you can go back to the middle and maybe and he's and he's hitting all those points yeah. at the other end of the spectrum yeah he's not picking just like middle <laughs> no. road wishes he's no. like going full force he's gonna be the greatest of all time <laughs> and everyone's gonna love him but uh atreyu's not impressed and he's mad about it mm-hmm. he tries to decide what he could do that no one else could do and he figures it out and it's to tell stories yes which is a good thing yeah he's you good know. at that he's good at that so I suppose this counted as a wish. It did. Because in the morning, um, the Silver Sage comes to him and he's like, Bastion, I, you know, we're a land of storytellers, but we've run out of stories. We need you to give us more. And he's like, oh, sweet. This is what I'm good at. Of course. Of course I will. <laughs> so they gather all the people and he tells them a story about their history. So he basically is like creating their history. Which I love. I love this story. Yeah. It's too long to read though. No, it is very, it is too long to read. But this, this is why I love this chapter. I'm like, cool. It's not about the dragon and no. the knights. I mean, no chapter is about just one thing. No. That's, that's why, that's why there's just so much going on. It's yeah. so hard to like even cover it all. Um, how can I sum up the story? Um, <laughs> So it's basically about their, the Silver City's history, how it be, came to be. Um, the most important part is that the Lake of Tears and the ornate silver buildings were created by the ugliest creatures in all Fantastical, which are called the Akaris. They cry. They cry and create the corrosive waters of the lake, which also creates the like filigree uh, patterns in the silver. And mm-hmm. it also like washes the silver out of like the ground. Yes. Other people can't, it's indestructible otherwise. And so nobody can get it out but them because they wash it with their corrosive tears or whatever. So the Akaris, in return, ask the inhabitants to dedicate their city and their lives to storytelling because, you know, they're ugly and they want beauty to be out in the world. Yes. And so that's why they're, they're... city is full of storytellers and the founders of the city built a library to store all the stories and it just so happens that it houses all the stories that bastion has ever told yes and this was his way of giving them the gift of every story he knows without having to like sit here and tell it all right which is pretty smart yeah and i mean he's yeah he's not just giving them the story of their history he's giving them all of his stories just kind of selfless in a yeah, way. Yeah, this is probably the but, best wish he makes in the entire. What's the name of the library? Book. Is the library named after it's him? Just, no, well, no, oh, not okay. at first. It's the <laughs> it's the library of the Silver City okay. or whatever. But there's but, like, is there something on the floor? And it's, 
It says something like the collected works of Bastion Balsar Bucks or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, this I would say that this is the best wish he made in the yeah. entire in the entire I agree. thing because not only like yes he he's doing it because he wants people to admire him sure so I guess it does have sort of selfish that's true it did come about because he wanted admiration so maybe it's not the best no but they really did do them a service yes so regardless of the motivations it was good for them yay I guess <laughs> half yay yay <laughs> And so just like that, as he tells the story, it comes into being. Um, the sage tells him that there is a locked tower in the city that no one's been able to get into, and that's the library. Mm-hmm. It's been, like, locked forever with a riddle, and, you know, only Bastion can open it by coming up with a name, so he does. And it's not really important. But that's what happens, and they go in, and everyone's, like, excited about all the stories. Everyone's so impressed. Is Atreyu impressed? Because that was yeah what yeah the whole, I think he is yeah, yeah. there's a, there's a, like a mention where he's like wow you really told all these stories and he was telling them a story about how he used to tell stories as a kid and like everyone made fun of him so apparently he hasn't forgotten everything because at this point he remembers that the kids made fun of him for telling stories right but he's gonna forget that I was about to say he, he does forget that he forgets that <laughs> <laughs> but anyway at this point he still knows um, and yeah Treyo's impressed so Bastion's all happy. The three heroes, the three guys that were with Hero Hunrick, are like super excited about it. And they're like, we want our own stories, but we want to live them. Can we like travel with you? And mm-hmm. Bastion, I thought he was going to say no, but he's like, yeah, sure, yep. come along. Yep. I, I thought he'd be like, no, I need to be alone. But he <laughs> No, was, he needs he was admiration. Down. Yeah, I guess. He, he needs an entourage. And well, he's got one because those three <laughs> guys are coming. But he he feels bad about Hero Hunrick. He asks him he how does. he's doing. And I'm like, good, you should feel bad. <laughs> you really should. And they're like, he's a broken man, sire. <laughs> and so they, they yeah. go to see him, and he's, like, depressed and sad because, like, the lady, the Princess Oglemar, sent him, like, a note that literally is... Th- where? What does it say? It's, like, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I want only the best. You have failed me. Farewell. And I'm like, stop loving this woman. And Basha does say, like, maybe you should try to love someone else. He's like, no, impossible. Impossible. I love her because she wants the best. And I'm like, well, all right. Okay, then. So what's funny about this is that I guess the three heroes, the other three heroes, like, have a sense of what Bastion's abilities are, like, to create things. Yeah. I don't know how they know that. Is but it somehow because they... of the story that he told? I don't know. Maybe. I really don't know because they're like, maybe he needs a monster to defeat. Wink. <laughs> and Bash is like, oh, okay, cool. So he creates a dragon named Smurg. Smurg. Which is in the movie, but in a totally different capacity. Is it in the movie? Yes. Oh, my God. Remember? I forgot. Oh, wait. Did, like, Falcor have to fight him? No, no, what happened was they were in the Silver City at the beginning of the movie, and I think he, I actually think in the movie he creates him to be like a mount for himself because he's like, well, Atreyu's got Falcor, I need, because they're going to like fly to somewhere. I don't remember. Okay. To the Ivory Tower, oh. I guess. Or maybe to the hand. To the hand. No, tower? they no? run into the Sea Hand on accident. Okay. Oh, okay. But I think they were going to go to the Ivory Tower. I don't remember okay. what. And he's like, I'm going to create a fearsome dragon named Smurg. And it like appears behind him and starts like destroying oh, the city. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that now. I'll call Burr. him Smurg. I remember John the Brandis is like, I'll call him Smurg. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that dragon was in it, but totally different. See, like, wh- I, don't, I don't understand their choices for the movie. Why would you pull that out? They pulled a bunch of stuff out and just threw as it far, in there. Yeah, I'm like, why? Why that one? I guess that's yeah, why I felt lose. like it was like it was like puzzle pieces. <laughs> like, and let's take this one. Yeah. I don't know. That one looks good. It was almost like they had all the pieces in the bag, and the writers like, okay, I need a story element now. Oh, a dragon <laughs> named Smirk, and then she writes her own thing about it. Yeah. She knows maybe. like the bare minimum hey. details about maybe these things. That's how it happened. Who knows? I. You know what? I'm not one to judge a writing process, but if you're doing an ad- adaptation. You yeah. could have been a little better than that. Apparently they had the budget to uh, have a CG or maybe it was animatronic. It might have been animatronic. I think it was animatronic. Maybe it was one of those things where like um, an executive producer was like, look, my kid loves dragons. You got to make sure that the dragon's in there. I don't believe any of the executives <laughs> read this book, Emma. 
So this dragon is, once again, has an amazing description. Um, But it's like a horrible thing, like, with child hands? That's the most creepy part. It does have child hands. It's like the hands of a child. And there is a picture at the beginning of the chapter of him. It's so strange. It is. He he does literally have... He's got a scorpion tail. Yeah. (laughs) Hang on. Let me pull out the picture. Yeah, look at the little child hands. (laughs) It's like insect legs, a scorpion tail... Wings. Oh, and his eyes are like the two faces of like. It's, it's yeah. It's the it's, most horrifying creature it's ever. Really strange. Yeah. Why wasn't this the and creature? And I'm kind of like, okay, to... why did you think that this was a good idea to create? Like, couldn't you have given given him just a normal easy quest? Monster? Yeah, some I don't kind know. of quest that wasn't. Well, he needed the monster. He had to defeat something. <sighs> yeah. And so far, like they make a point to say that there are no monsters in the world. Oh yeah, that's true. He because want to bring gross, disgusting yeah. things to. Well, that he didn't. <laughs> that that was all of Bastion's thing. Is he wanted to create beautiful things, but yeah. whatever. He he created this dragon for Hero Hunrek to go out and save, and so the hero sets off immediately, and um, Bastion's feeling good about himself. So he creates this horrible dragon. Hero Hunrek sets off to save the Princess Oglemar from the dragon because she's been kidnapped because Bastion comes up with a story about her being kidnapped. He's he's taken her in his childlike hands. Yes. (laughs) In my little child hands and I've taken you off to my lair. Uh, So there you go. He'd saved Hero Hunrek's dignity. Hurrah. Hurrah. Then Atreum and Bastion decide that, you know, their new objective should be to find Bastion's way back home. That's right. More... More like Atreyu decides. Yeah. He's like, so, Bastion's, you want to go back home, right? Bastion's kind of on board. He's kind of at this not point. Not really. Kind of, but not really. Like, he agrees like, with it. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I probably yeah. should. I pro- probably should go back, go back home, home, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and so that's their new quest. The three heroes go with them. And he also gets the mule, Yika. I love Yika. <laughs> and they go out of the city. Chapter 18 is called the Akaris. They set out on their quest to find Bastion's world. Only they end up heading the wrong way because Bastion's heart wasn't really in it. He was only doing it to oblige his friends. Yes. And so because instead of going, I don't, I'm not sure where the path to Bastion's world is supposed to be, but the book specifically says that they're not headed towards that path. They are instead headed towards the center of Fantastica, which would be the opposite direction, I guess. Once again, they don't say yeah. what. They just tell you that's what's happening. As they ride, Bastion unknowingly makes his next wish because he was thinking about the horrible dragon he had summoned. Yep. And decided yes. that he doesn't want to be known as the creator of horrible and ugly things. He wants to be known for his unselfish goodness instead. Now, is that an <laughs> unselfish wish? Absolutely not. <laughs> like 90% of his wishes like, have been selfish. Uh, dude, even wishing that you create things in an unselfish way is ego-based. It's still selfish. Yeah. Because you care about what people are thinking about you. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't know. Is but, he capable at this point in his journey to make an unselfish wish? I think at this point... He probably still is, but he's just he's just ignorant. Yeah. He just hasn't stopped to like think about anything really. And see, like in the first part of the book, I wouldn't have pegged him as that kind of child. I would, because think about it. He was bullied and he was fat and he was useless. I mean, when he goes into the bookstore, Coriander rips him a new one and tells him he's like basically good for nothing. Yeah. And so he has gotten the first taste. Of finally being something, something, yeah. and he's run away with it. He's just gone out of control. It's like yeah. people that get like fame and then like go insane. Like some people, or people who are like under overprotective parents, and then they go to college. <laughs> yeah, and then they go crazy. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like the, yeah. the minute you get like an inch, yeah, you take a mile. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so you I win the I lottery, don't think... and then you spend it all on. And you go crazy on, yeah. like, booze and hookers. <laughs> I mean, I just, like, it's not uncommon, I think, for someone to finally get something they want and then just lose control. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening here. Oh. But thankfully, Atreyu is with him. Yes. Atreyu's smart, but he can't, he doesn't really, he hasn't caught on fully as to what's going on yet. So mm-hmm. he hasn't been able to stop it 
as of now. And also, Bastion's making these wishes inside. So it's That's not right. Like, He's not talking aloud. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm kind of thinking about yeah. what do the you fact think that I made this, this horrible dragon that is going to, like, pillage the land. And Maybe if he I'm asked Atreus' okay opinion, it. things would be different. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to, though. No. So he wishes for unselfish goodness <laughs> or whatever. And as they camp, Atreyu um, asked Bastion to tell him about his life and his world before he came to Fantastica. And Bastion tells him what he remembers, but now it's becoming really clear to Atreyu that something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Bastion does not remember things that he previously mentioned. Right. And one of them was... Uh, the kids oh, making fun of him, right? Oh, yeah, it was yeah. The making fun of him. So I guess he lost that after... After he, yeah, well, I wonder which wish that was. Could have been making was, the dragon. I think it was the storytelling wish. Because I feel like his memories coincide. Yeah, they happen after, like, you kind of lose them after that happens. Yeah. yeah, that's probably it. But I think the the action, like, the full, I, how do you even describe <laughs> The full moment of, like, okay, I'm going to wish for this. And then he had the storytelling yeah. festival. It's like, all that has to end. And then, then he loses the loses memory. The memory. So, I, yeah, Atreyu's, like, fully aware now, I think. <laughs> yeah. Later that night, they're awoken by sounds of sobs and wails. They shine a light in the darkness and reveal a group of ugly worm-like creatures. And the description's great. <laughs> you really get a sense of how disgusting they are. Yes, they're so sad. I know. And they're crying. They're busy building an elaborate silver tower before the light hit them and they all freeze mm -hmm. like cockroaches. Like, don't, don't look at our <laughs> yeah. ugliness. Yeah, they're pretty much like, take the light off. <laughs> Have mercy. We will die of shame. <laughs> yeah. You know, something like that. And, you know, I kind of feel like this is a little unfair because with this newfound need to be good, Bastion's like, I want to help you guys because they're unhappy and they say they're unhappy and... He's like, how can I help you? And they suggest. Yes, they ask for it, yeah. which is, we haven't seen that before. Yeah, which was why I think it's unfair. It is kind of So unfair. they say, we would like new bodies mm -hmm. so that we're not ugly anymore. And he does it. Maybe he should have thought about it first. Maybe he should be like, hang on. Let me think about the yeah. implications yeah. of this wish. Give, give me, let me sleep on it. Yeah. <laughs> you guys keep working. I'll come I'll back tomorrow. This. I'll let you know what I thought. Uh, and, you know, had counsel with his friends. Maybe. I was about to say, and sit down with your friends and Although, talk about... Atreyu's here and he doesn't say anything. That's true. But how could he be expected to know? Like, he can't really. He can't. He can't. So, and also maybe because it's, like, selfish. Because he's only helping them because he wants to prove that he's good. Right. You know, so he's like, yes, I'm going to help you. I'm going to make you beautiful butterflies that are always laughing. And he names them Schlamoofs, the everlasting laughers or something. Slum Which kind of kind of makes me think of Dr. Seuss in a way. Yeah, kind of. They're kind of like Dr. Seuss. -like oh creatures. my god, I can't stand these creatures. They're awesome. <laughs> They're terrible. They're terrible in an awesome way. <laughs> so he's like, "You're gonna go to sleep, and when you wake up, you're gonna become these butterflies that are happy and lighthearted and laughing." So he goes to sleep, and he's super pleased with himself. He's like, "I helped people." <laughs> I'm a great person. I am so good. In all aspects. Everyone's going to talk about my goodness. However, when they awake to the sounds of laughter, they find that the Akaris have indeed transformed into like little butterfly clown creatures. But um, they're terrible. They're terrible. They're dancing around on the tower, swinging on it, tearing it apart. And Bastion goes to them and he's like... What are, uh, you doing? what are you doing? Stop destroying that. And they're just like nonsensical and don't listen to him. Right. And he's like, you owe me. I created you. And they're like, you what? Who are you? Who cares? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. He created a creature that was worse, I guess. In a <laughs> yes, way. Cause, I think it is. I mean, I don't know if they're worse per se. No, but they're they definitely are. not good. And they're destroying the Silver City. Yeah. So, not good. Uh, yeah, I, I do want to mention something. Um, Atreyu doesn't fully understand what is happening, but he does mention that the Orin is... He does know that the Orin is taking away his memory with every yeah, wish. Yeah, well, I think they do have a... a he, I think he specifically says that at some point. And one of the quotes that I pulled from this that I really like, he says, it gives you the means, but it takes away your purpose. Like, yes. That's it's during so their profound. conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? We should probably read this conversation. Oh, it's a good okay. one. It's because of Orin. Bastion propped his head up on his hand and looked sleepily at his friend. What do you mean by that? 
The gem, said Atreyu, as though talking to himself, doesn't work the same with humans as with us. What makes you think that? The amulet gives you great power. It makes all your wishes come true, but at the same time, it takes something away. Your memory of your world. Bastion thought it over. He didn't feel as if anything had been taken from him. Gragamon told me to find out what I really wanted, and the inscription on Orin says the same thing. But for that, I have to go from wish to the next without ever skipping any. That's why I need the gem. Yes, said Atreyu. It gives you the means, but it takes away your purpose. Oh well, Bastion said, undismayed. Moonchild must have known what she was doing when she gave me the amulet. You worry too much, Atreyu. I'm sure Orin isn't a trap. Or is it? Or is it? I mean, it is and it isn't. I don't think, I think trap is the wrong word. Yeah. I think it's a means for him to find out who he really is and what he really wants. Yeah, but oh my God, it's it's such a, it's such a fine line. It is such a, it's a scary, scary fine line. It really is. And it gets scarier. It does. So anyway... Bastion creates these horrible clown creatures. The, the they're covers, so annoying. Yeah, they're so annoying. Well, I it's wouldn't read the page. Funny. It's not even funny. Yeah, it's, it's just annoying. annoying. They're, they're they're just like there's like a whole long conversation, a backwards forwards conversation yeah. where Bastion's trying to reason with them, and they and they're just, just ridiculous. They can't yeah. be reasoned with. So he leaves feeling as if he didn't do such a good deed after all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really his fault, though. No. I mean, they, once again, I feel like he should have thought about for it. it. They did ask for it, which, like like we said, hadn't happened before. Yeah. Or maybe he needed to like be more specific in his wish. Or maybe it's fueled because he did it for selfish purposes. Who knows? Who knows? To learn more about us and see what we're going to read next, visit our website at growingupbookish.com.